Hello, everyone. My name is Reese Lindmark, and you are listening to The Reese Show. On the show, we're trying to clarify what a good future looks like. I know we're all a bit sad about late-stage capitalism, and we want to transition to something, but we don't really know what's next. So, on the show, we interview experts about what is emerging, this beautiful future vision that we can all lean into. I hope it gives you a sense of purpose and clarity about the future. If you like the show, you know, feel free to do something about it. (laughs) You can leave us a five-star review. You can tell your friends. You can name your first child Reese. Whatever makes you happy. And if you really dig it, we have an online school called Root, where we help folks understand these root-level systems to find our route forward. We have cohorts of world-class systems thinkers that run every couple of months. So if you're interested in that, check us out at root.co. That's R-O-O-T-E dot co. Thanks. Hello, listeners. Today, I'm excited to chat with Susan Blackmore. Susan is a visiting professor at the University of Plymouth who who researches consciousness, memes, and anomalous experiences. And she wrote the excellent book, The Meme Machine. Sue, thanks so much for being on the show and welcome. It's a pleasure. At least so far, I think it's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Beautiful. I'm going to be trouble. Um, I'm going to yeah, be trouble. So guess... You can tell, can't you? <laughs> exactly. Thus far, it's a pleasure, but who knows how where we're going to go. Um, yeah, so I think mm. for me, I want to focus a lot today on just like memes, you know, and I think, but before doing that, I mean, your background's really interesting because you do have this like curiosity towards all these different things. And so I just kind of understand like for you, what is the through line that ties all of your work together? Ah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head because um, the word curiosity kind of sums it up. And I know this is way, way, way off memes, but um, as as some listeners will know, um, 1970, as a a young student, I had a dramatic out-of-the-body experience. Um, In fact, I would say now it was a mystical experience uh, of all sorts of strange things and ending with a kind of oneness with the universe. That drove me into parapsychology, which is a dead end, in my opinion. It, you, you know, you never get anywhere with it. And giving that up, I came to realize that actually the big question in my mind was, well, consciousness at all. And then I realized there were people in what's called consciousness studies, you know, struggling with the, 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 the deep problems of dualism and how does mind relate to matter and oh, how can they be one and you know, all of that. And that's driven me ever since psychedelic experiences have been a lot of that and now there's research that actually relates what's going on in the brain to those experiences um that's fantastic and we have the neuroscience to understand why out-of-body experiences happen and which bit of the brain is doing it and, and so on so that that's taken me along but the curiosity is although fired by that still and that's still the thing i you know Late at night, having a smoke, of, you know, of, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be thinking, you know, my mind going, and I'll be, be thinking about consciousness and what's it doing and how's this work. You know, those are the questions constantly um, that propel me. But then um, the whole memes thing began because um, Dan Dennett's book, Darwin's Dangerous Idea, came out. And I'd always been fascinated by evolution theory because. You know, what Darwin saw is, is so, so simple, so elegant, explains so much, and yet it's still counterintuitive, which is why in your country there are people who don't believe in evolution. How can you not believe it? Well, the reason people don't believe is because they don't understand. If you get the idea of the evolutionary algorithm, you know, you just have to copy something lots of times with variation and then select and then copy again. Once people get that, you know, then I think it's very, very, very hard to go back to believing in God and God a creator and so on. So that book kind of threw me and a student wrote me an essay on memes and consciousness at that time. And I was ill in bed with chronic fatigue at the time when that happened. And I was in bed for nearly a year staring at the ceiling, (laughs) reading incredibly slowly because I could only read it like for a quarter (laughs) of an hour or something before I'd like... uh, and reading that book so slowly and then rereading The Selfish Gene, from which, of course, the, the, the idea of memes came, reading that incredibly slowly over a few weeks. By the end of that illness, I had a book in my head to write, and that was The Meme Machine. So, you know, where is that the thread with all the other things? I don't know. Just um, 
I think I have the great gift, not God-given, given by evolution and luck and whatever, <laughs> of just being endlessly curious and not being not being able to just let something go if I don't understand it. Sorry, that was a very long rambly yeah, answer, cool. but curiosity no, is what sums no, it up. No, that's really oh, interesting. And, and mm-hmm. another word, perplexity. Um, my big textbook mm. on consciousness, you know, it's like um, 600 pages or something or other, and which was a real, real struggle um, and is now in three editions. It begins with the word perplexity and it ends with the word perplexity. And it also says what I often say in lectures um, on consciousness, you know, I want your brain to hurt. Well, brains don't hurt. I want your head to hurt. I want it to hurt more and more, you know, as this lecture goes on and I want you to go away from this lecture going, ah, I can't bear it because it's that difficult. So curiosity and complexity will do as an answer. That's cool. No, I love that. I think that the, um, well, A, on one side too, it's like you had, you were living your life and then you had this crazy experience that you didn't expect and you were like, oh my God. And that kind of like puts you on this weird path towards these things of like, what yeah. was this experience, you know? Um, and so then, and then as you said, it's like, it pushes you toward this realm of, of consciousness. And there is something weird about, I do think that saying perplexity is a good, it's a good catch all for like the kinds of things that curiosity is a fit for, where you're like, whoa, what is this thing? How do these memes work? Or how do these, um, how does consciousness work? Like those things are things that make your head hurt because you're like trying to read about it. You're trying to understand your own experience. You're like, this is weird. Like this is hard to kind of wrap your mind around. And then once you kind of, it's something that like for you and for I, it's like, oh, we're kind of attracted to it in this delightful way. Um, So yeah, that's, that's I think that's very interesting. I'll, I'll keep perplexity in my own mind as I go forth in life. Do you think, so thinking about memes on the meme side of things, like, I mean, and, you know, Dan did its book, the um, uh, Darwin's Dangerous Idea is so amazing. Um, it feels funny because as I'm reading these books on memes, there's yours, there's his, there's a lot in like, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, after Selfish Gene, but then it's kind of died out. Like, how do you see the field of memetics over time? And what has it like, how has it evolved? It kind of feels like it's died or something like that. Tell me a little bit more about that progression as for me as a youth coming into it. It hasn't died, um, but it's pretty sick. <laughs> no, no, that's very unkind to me. Sorry, Mimetics, <laughs> I don't mean that. Um, I, I, I would like to take two different threads. One is the popular thread. And that, of course, uh, when in 1976, when The Selfish Gene came out um, and the idea of memes was uh, in, invented by Richard Dawkins, um, the, the, there was barely internet. I mean, it was that long ago. And so there was obviously no such thing as, as internet memes. And he was talking about, um, well, I suppose I should defi- define a meme because many people think that internet memes are the only kind of memes. So memes are any kind of information that is copied with variation and selection between people. And that can include between people and a computer and back again, or a book and back again, or w- whatever. Um, so all of the words in your language, everything we're doing now is, is mimetic transfer. You know, we're throwing memes back and forward at each other. Um, the things that you learn by yourself for yourself are not memes. Memes are information that's copied and passed around in, in culture. So um, that what happened then was once internet memes really took off, um, then that people began to think that that was all, um, all that memes were. It's, that's very interesting to me because actually they're a very good example of the evolution of, a, of, of information because um, internet memes, you know, the millions and millions, I don't know the latest figures on how many uh, images are up, um, uploaded uh, into the cloud every day, but it's an awful lot and very, very few of them ever get copied. And certainly even fewer get copied like millions of times. Um, so they are a good example, as long as people realize that's all they are, that all of culture is, is made up of memes too. So at the time, I think both Richard and I were a bit pissed off <laughs> that people got the, thought that, but actually I'm quite happy about that. Um, so there are an awful lot of books, as you well know, not the sort you're talking about, but, um, you know, the latest great cat videos or, you know, whatever it is, books about that kind of thing. The other thread is the academic thread. And I have often asked myself and indeed given lectures entitled, you know, why isn't memetics thriving or or something or what's wrong with memetics or something like that. And my answer is never very satisfactory, but I think a huge number of people, even academics and clever people who ought to know better, simply don't get it. 
they don't get it as, I think, well, they just, why don't they get it? I suppose that you have to be willing, which I think you absolutely would be, uh, and the kind of things that you do are, are really about, the idea that information is actually driving its own change. That's a, a very scary idea to people, but that's what it comes down to, really. Um, then there are a whole lot of social scientists who hate the idea that evolutionary theory would come into there because it's been threatened in various ways in other ways in the past. So they don't want Darwinian ideas coming into sociology and whatever. Quite a lot of people, not everyone. And then on the other side, there are some biologists who, who um, are scared of the idea of this kind of spoiling people's understanding of Darwinian thinking. Uh, you know, it's all about biology. Darwin was primarily about biology, although he did talk about the evolution of languages and the languages becoming extinct. So he's certain, I think, were Darwin alive now or brought back with incredible technology, um, you know, he, he would think this is this is great. Um, but um, what has ha what really is the problem? I mean, those are problems. But the real problem, as for, for Darwin, is that memetics has not been able till now to come up with really good predictions of things or findings that would not be found on any other theory and that come out, out to be so. And unless you have that in any scientific field, you can't make any progress. Now that's interesting because as I said, it was, it was so with biology and it was a long time before um, the, the, the coming together of genetics and the discoveries of uh, understanding of genetics and bringing that together with Darwin's ideas. And I think the same thing is probably happening now with memetics. We're, we're creeping our way towards finding predictions that you would not expect on other theories of culture. And the really critical point about memetics is that it, the selfish gene, you know, remember that? What about the selfish meme? It's that ideas spread for their own benefit not necessarily for ours and not necessarily for the genes. They can be favoring both those things, but they don't have to. They can just be entirely selfish. And that's where I think we, we are looking and need to look for um, evidence that shows that memetics does better than other theories. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think, I oh, think that you're was right a terribly long answer. I can carry away on this subject. No, that's. I think that all these answers are actually not long, but are just uh, informative. And I think that for me, it's an interesting. And you've also been thinking about this for a long time. And so I think that like that there's some of it is that folks kind of don't get it, and they're just kind of like you know anti. Oh, it's like what the information wants things itself. Like that's kind of weird. And then like it kind of like encroaches in on other fields in this kind of awkward way. Um, kind of like the universal acid of Darwinism, and uh, and ain't nobody like that. But I think you're right to to point out that the predictions are really why it hasn't taken off as a field. And I do think, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think too, for me, as like, as I'm writing, you know, this book on what information wants and how the current, um, you know, kind of like uh, to some extent updating memetics or whatever for, for the, the networked human organism and the network hive mind that we have now, it's like, I don't know. It's kind of a funny thing where it's like, I'm, I'm talking about this thing that's kind of been not relegated, but it's like people are a little bit more skeptical of it. And if you talk about it in other ways as like cultural evolution or things like that, then people are like more game for it. So I don't know. I think there's, but I do think, I just think that the frame, the other thing for me, why I'm so bullish on is because like so much of our, as humans, our frame on life comes from our perspective. Like, okay, humans are the main agents in life. And it's like humans are doing our thing. Humans are doing our thing. It's like, wait a second. What about the genes? You know, or especially here, it's like, well, what about the memes? Actually, instead of thinking ourselves as the agents, let's think about the information itself as the agent. And you might not, you know, sure, it might not give the best X, Y, Z, or it might be, you know, we have to have like both of them in our minds. But like, in general, like just taking that frame to like get us less egotistical, I think is a really powerful kind of move um, in space. So what do you think, by the way, about... Can I um, ask you a question? You know... Can I ask yes, you a yes, question? Um, when you talk about what information wants, of course, I, I love that because that's how I feel about it and think about it. But of course, as you have been saying, people hate it and they don't understand it. How do you get that across? Because I have trouble with this in, in, in the same way, probably. They don't want in the sense of sitting there having a conscious experience of, oh, I'm longing, you know, of course, that you know, genes are just bits of bits of data and you know whatever um how do you personally get that over to people to, to to get through their resistance to that idea 
Because for people, so often yeah. it's like, well, it's obvious that that information can't want anything. That's obvious. And they block their mind to it. Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess one of my answers is I haven't done that much of it. Like I haven't like tried um, saying it that much. I haven't like re, you know, like uh, formed the idea that well and like battered it with, with lots of people. I think that the, my, my general thing though is I guess what I say is something, I think that the nice thing, as you kind of noted too, is that memes themselves, like internet memes, are a helpful way to talk about information wanting things. So you're just like, okay, so like for me, like an example, like me too, you can think about it as a, that thing spread so widely because it um, had based within it, it had, it was like, it was content with distribution built in. Like everybody who saw that was like, okay, great. I also want to um, spread this more because it's kind of like an invitation to, to share. And so I think that, you know, something like that or like challenges might be an example of like TikTok dance challenges where you come in and like the challenge itself is saying, hey, spread me, spread me, don't forget to spread me. And so I guess I think that how I do it is by um, slowly getting people in with like internet memes as like a thing that um, has the spread me or copy me thing built into it. Um, and then from there, uh, kind of going deeper and deeper with people into the like rabbit hole of like, okay, we can think of things like religions like that, but instead of having really good copy me um, attributes, which they do, they have like, you know, like Catholicism is really good at having more kids, but also religion and other things are really good at like getting themselves into the financial infrastructure and accessing money and energy. Um, and so whether it's them or maybe again for the kids these days, something like um, Bitcoin or Wall Street bets, you know, something like Bitcoin is a meme with kind of retention built in where you kind of have the... Um, uh, you have Bitcoin as a meme and it is uh, good at spreading, but it's also really good at it. People who have it make more money or whatever. And so they are, um, it can kind of like self-perpetuate instead of like falling out like so many other memes do. So I guess what I do is use yeah. um, current day things. But but everything you're saying there, you know, even I, with my view, I, I, I sort of lured into saying, yeah, yeah, but it's all about human agency because we're the ones who pick up this meme and not that meme and so on. The, the difficulty is, I think, to move from we made all these memes, we made these machinery, the computers and the servers and everything. To the, So, you know, we're in charge. We're the important ones. We're the ones who do have that I want because, you know, this is my mind and, you know, so I'm the agent. And everything you've said, that will be the way a lot of people come at it. The shift people have to make to really engage with this is a shift to, ah, we are agents, they are agents, the memes and the genes. These are agents all competing to throw information around. They're kind of, um, they're not exactly equivalent to the us, but in that in that sense, they are. And that leads you into something else that terrifies people. And I, I know this from, you know, 20 years or however long it is of talking about it. The thought that our wants and decisions and so on are just information going on in a clever brain. And, you know, it's not because we've got this soul or spirit that wants things you know, some sort of, you know, inner self that is the power that has agency and, and, and makes the choices, uh, that we have free will, that we have free will, but the memes don't, is, is the simplest way of putting that response. And of course, I'm very, very happy to say, uh-uh, we don't have free will, all this stuff, this isn't the machine, and this thing here, my desk is a machine, and it's throwing stuff around. And the difference is only in, in, in complexity and structure and so on, not in its fundament, the fundamental nature of agency. Yeah, no, I like that. And I think you're right to push back on. And even as I said, I think it was like, yeah, I'm still kind of like centering the human as much. And so it's like you kind of want to go from centering the human, talking about the Internet memes to like, wait a second, let's think about, you know, a catchy song and see the world from the catchy songs perspective. If you're a non-catchy mm. song, well, you just don't get into people's minds, you know, and so you die off. But if you are a catchy song, then you're you're transmitting from mind to mind um, and you're excited by that. And then people are going to remix you and you get pop music or whatever. And so I think that like starting to talk from the perspective of the information or the meme is a crucial reframe. And then I think another thing that you're saying here that makes me think about how your work might relate to my work is that. I think yours is connected, you know, given the, the curiosity and perplexity that you have is more connected to like the consciousness and free will and kind of like philosophy of mind side. 
And I think for me, um, um, I think that my work is more directed towards like how to moderate social media platforms um, and how we should think about information flowing on them. And so it's less kind of so hopefully this is to say I might try to dodge the like free will question and might try to like lead people towards the instead of thinking about social media platforms as a bunch of humans, let's think of it as the information on the platforms and what the information yeah. itself wants yeah. and how we should like moderate it or censor it or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely does make sense. Yeah. Well, good for you because I couldn't do that. I am not engaged <laughs> with social media and the and the modern world, you know. <laughs> In some ways I'm just a, you know, old out of touch person <laughs> which is odd given <laughs> given my enthusiasm for everything we're talking about but where do people find time in their lives to do this stuff <laughs> i don't know i think i've got better Only things to do digging be scrolling. The garden, people are scrolling that's a better yeah. that's a better use of time yeah i mean so how do you think about one thing i think i mean and, and maybe part of this conversation is this you know not not extraction but you know like thinking about all the stuff that you know like connecting you into that world of you know the, the gen z tiktokers or whatever um how do you think about um you know the the memes and a thing that you you know have thought of is like this idea of these streams, these like, you know, technological or this like third replicator with bits. And that's something that I've been thinking about too. Where it's like, okay, you have this, you know, these memes that go from mind to mind, but then you also have this like arrangement of bits in computers and like that can be transferred as well. So t tell me how you think about dreams and how they connect to memes. What you just said is actually a very good way of, I mean, you make it easy for me to answer by what you just said. Because I think what happened to me and over many years, um, and I came to this idea after all in 2008, that's when I gave my TED lecture. And it was just before that, that I was asked to write for um, a NASA book on cultural evolution in the cosmos. And I, you know, one of those emails you get, you know, will you write a chapter on? And I'm like, what? How can there be cultural evolution in the cosmos? And that set me thinking. And out of that came all these ideas. But the, 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 the spark before that was I was beginning to worry what you said about the digital bits and the um, how do they relate to mind-to-mind -to -mind psychological information. Is it just more of the same or is it something different? And I suppose this was kind of early on in the internet memes phenomenon appearing. And I'm thinking... Is this something fundamentally different or is it just another kind of meme? Tricky in, a, in an academic writing point of view, do they need a new name? I mean, should I call these just, you know, digital memes? And they're still memes, they're all memes, or is something different going on? And that question, I think, was lurking in my mind for a long time before that question about the cosmos um, hit me and I really had to think it through. And I went for a walk with my daughter she lives on a narrow boat and the river was too high to go for a, um, a, a trip on the boat. And we ended up walking one behind the other on this narrow path for quite a long time. And I was just thinking and thinking and thinking. And the whole ideas just kind of bred themselves, if you like. And so where it went from there was to say, well, could there be another replicator? I mean, if you're going to give it another name, if there's something different going on here, I've got to have some principled way of thinking about there being a difference because otherwise I'm just throwing out names. People do that all the time um, and, and it's, you know, it can be useless and then they fizzle out. The only purpose of doing it would be if there's something fundamentally different going on. So I began to think about what happened when memes first appeared. Well, we know that in the, in the sense that that's what meme theory is about. You have biology producing loads of different species and then one of those species becomes a copying machine. In other words, when early humans began to imitate each other and pass information, copy, vary and select information, you know, fire making techniques or stone napping techniques, whatever it might have been in the beginning, um, putting feathers in their hair, I don't know, whatever, um, that set off a new evolutionary process. And that's what we call memes. Could that process happen again? Well, when I thought about it that way, then it was immediately obvious to me, I might be wrong, but you know, that's what it seemed immediately obvious to me, that what has happened is, of all these human meme machines, um, they began to produce 
books and cars and tables and glasses and pens and cups of tea and you know any endless things but then they kind of accidentally because they wanted to you know write letters and do whatever they wanted to talk to each other quite accidentally in a way they produced computers that were capable of copying information with variation and selection so you've now got a new kind of copying machine all the um the digital technology but is that enough for a new evolutionary process? So there are two ways of answering that. One is to say, yeah, that's enough because it's digital and it's in, in silicon and that's very different from this. But actually, I prefer to take a further step and, and say, well, those are memes because we're kind of in charge of them or we're the main selectors. We're the main machines dealing with them. But if there, it came about that the machinery we created was doing the copying, varying and selecting without us, without us interfering, then there would be a new evolutionary process taken off. And that's why I decided, I originally to call it teams, and then people thought I was talking about football, and I'm like, oh, God. So <laughs> I've never found a really satisfactory name. Um, I've tried lots. Um, that's how I came to that idea. And when I did so, which is now mm, nearly 15 years ago, I don't think it was true, or if it was true, it was only very rarely or slightly true, but it's certainly true now. I mean, you know, search engines are a simple example, but you can go much further than that. I think out there in in cyberspace, there's all sorts of stuff going on that nobody has access to. There's stuff being copied, varied, selected. There's bits of code, you know, going all over the place. Um, we we start, started all off and, you know, um, uh, control some of it, observe some of it but um there's there's unique things being produced unique combinations of memes being produced all the time by the software that we've produced and how much it can really take off without us seeing it i don't know i'm not an expert on how those things work i hope some experts will will tell me but it leads to this really quite um worrying thought could say terrifying um that there's a new evolutionary process going on out there using all the stuff that we produced still still in a sense in the same way that we're dependent on on genes and biology for the memes they're they're, they're building on the these meme machines so in a way we're essential and those machines we created are, are essential but the whole process could take off for its own sake and that makes a big difference Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think that was a good explanation. It's cool that like you know some of the nicest times when you're um, uh, when ideas come is when you're just walking around. You're like, okay, I guess I just got to walk with my own thoughts for a second, and then it kind of emerges. And I think you're right to say that there's. It is weird because in some ways all of this stuff, like you know, genes and memes and these like bits or these trees or whatever you want to call them, um, that those are all you can kind of if you want to like mess around with and kind of like collapse them all into one where it's like, okay, you know, like the genes, technically the the selection process is like, you know, natural selection, but now we have so much like unnatural selection with GMOs, like the ability to like um, do bio, you know, bioengineering and like mess with the DNA itself. It's like, how much is it, you know, how much are genes actually different than memes or whatever? And then also similarly, how much are the memes actually different than, you know, these new kind of kind of computer memes, the, like the, the trees. And I think that that question, I think, I think your proposal is a relatively good one. I think it, it answers or it, it brings up that question that you said, which is like, okay, if we have this new thing, um, which is instead of us actively choosing among them, which is how early internet stuff worked, it was like, oh, I like this picture. I like that picture. But now we have this new set of, you know, AI or machine learning that is actively doing the kind of uh, selection process and, and duplication and copying process itself. It's like, okay, that thing um, is its own new kind of replicator with its own new kind of um, objective function almost. And that's, I think what you're essentially doing yeah, is describing from a meta yes. perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally. What you're doing is describing from a mimetic perspective, like AI safety concerns, like will this new replicator actually be aligned with human values? Or um, how do we make, how can we make it the case that as it's going to go crazy, how can we make it aligned? You know, what do you think about that? No, we can't. We can't. We can't. And the answer is obviously no and no. Um, <laughs> we can, as we can with the climate, as we can with, 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 um, biodiversity what we do has an influence and makes the difference but we're not in control 
And um, I think that's so, yeah. But to go back to what you were saying earlier on in that bit, um, there, are, there are clear differences in the substrate of the information. So genes are, the information is the order of basis on, on molecules. Memes are very much more complex. There are so many more different types. Um, but speech and writing and, and all of these things, uh, and they're fundamentally based in, in the the biology that we have of this kind of organism. Trims, at least for the moment, are digital information um, encoded in um, silicon machinery. So there's that difference. But you also hit upon machine learning. Now, this is really important because I, I was hinting at earlier about how we may not be able to see what's going on. But at a very simple, or not that simple, but the, the whole idea of neural networks and um, artificial neural networks, I mean, and, and machine learning. If you set up a neural network, then um, even, even a simple one with only three or four layers, then and you set it going learning a task, like the very early ones, it fascinated me all that time ago when there were ones that could distinguish pictures of men and women or something, you know. Um, and then when you look at what's happened to all the connections within the neural network, you really don't know what it's done. You know what went in, you know the decisions it made, you know that all sorts of connections change their strength, just as happens between neurons in our heads, um, but you, you don't know exactly what it's done to, to do it. And the more complex the, the machine learning, the, the more that is the case. Now, if there's all this stuff going on all out there, and there's so many connections, and, you know, with the, in, the Internet of Things, it'll be even more so, um, but it's already you know, masses of stuff. Then all this kind of learning will be going on that we don't know what it's doing and how it's doing it. We may or may not see what the inputs were and what the outputs were and infer some kinds of changes that have gone on, but, but we can't see it. And one of the consequences of this to me is, is what I call, this might be a really bad term, but this is the way I think of it, as dark information. Information that we can't in principle see. And the more there are these kind of artificial intelligence systems working, operating on multiple machines, distributed about between different machines, sending information back and forth in the cloud, um, processing it, using it for machine learning and so on, um, then it's selfish information. It's going to require energy and machinery and storage space. And we keep giving it. We humans so want our ridiculous, um, trivial, endless email rubbish and social media stuff. Some of it's important, but, you know, it, it's just proliferating all the time. And the better the machines we have and the more we love the technology, then the more we are willing to put um, fossil fuels um, and time and effort and um, destruction of the planet into producing more and more machinery. And why? We, the natural thought for many people is we're doing it for ourselves. We're in control. We're making this. Oh, if we do the Internet of Things, that'll be brilliant because then we'll be able to control our fridge from our car. And, you know, um, whatever it is. Um, but it's not for us. It's just it's just the process of the dim, of, of the information demanding more space to grow. And as long as we keep giving it. So what I mean by the dark information is at the moment, because I think this is pretty recent um we probably i don't i don't know this and if anyone's listening who can help me please tell me um but we probably have a reasonable grip on how much storage space we need and and processing power we need for the things that we know we're doing or that people are doing but if i'm right about this process then it will be taking up um both those resources in ways that we can't see and what we would find and would be my prediction, it's always scary to stick your neck out on a prediction, but that we would find that we are building ever more stuff and there's some of it we don't know why we need to do it. That, that, that you know, however much more processing power and storage space and energy we give, there's an endless demand for more and we can't keep up with it. And this would be pretty dire to add to the rest of the troubles of, of our poor planet. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that that's a 
what I'm hearing from you is that the prediction there is that we have the information that wants to continually consume more and more information and continue to take up space and it uh, you know it, it wants to continue to replicate and that we will get to the place we're already here where we have where it's already doing that and we're building things that we're like why are we even building this thing and it's like oh you know i think that the, you know controlling your um fridge from your car is a great example where like we can post rationalize into that and we can say oh we're doing this because it's more um uh efficient and you know look at how um easy it is to use. but actually it's like that's just a rationalization of the information wanting more and more space and energy um and so yeah, I definitely hear you there. And I do think, and I'll, I'll send you this after the show, but there's this cool um, company, uh, Anthropic AI, which is looking, and there's uh, other companies who are doing this, who are trying to find out what's actually going on in these neural networks. How can we make them less black boxy? Because if possible, then some of this dark, turning this like dark info or the info that we don't know what's happening into um, you know stuff that we can actually see transparently would be the long-term hope. Uh, with that in mind, how do you think about, you know, kind of switching directions a bit here, but not totally, it's like, you know, one thing in the meme machine that you talk about, which I really enjoyed was like, you know, at the beginning of, you know, genetic life, um, you know, it's not like DNA was the first replicator. There were these other weird, just like, you know, um, survival of the best chemical reaction thing happening. Um, and then eventually we got DNA and eventually we got multicellularism and, and sexual reproduction, all those kinds of things. Um, and similarly with our kind of mimetic world, it's like it started just as, you know, you said, like putting a feather in your hair and like, you know, going back and forth. And then we got language and then we got writing and the internet and all these things. If you were to, you know, continue that forward, how do you see the kind of, you know, the sub and, and one thing that you talked about in your book was like, you know, especially the like f- um, fidelity piece where it's like the ability to kind of go back and forth and to have things replicate with high fidelity. Um, how do you see the progression of memes and what the like substrate itself or what the kind of copying machinery will look like in its kind of end state. Uh, Do you mean the, the the progression of the current stuff we have, or are you asking a question about completely different kinds of technology? I think I'm asking about different types, which is like, if you imagine the world in 3000, you know, AD where it's like, okay, what is, what does the stuff look like? What does the copying, mimetic copying machinery look like at that time? Well, first of all, I think it's extremely unlikely that we will, that there'll be humans around. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we'll have died out. I mean, this is an interesting question, really, whether um, the way I've described things so far, the whole system requires us. We are the ones who have to build the, the, the mines that dig up the if you're Chinese, that dig up the coal and, you know, or that produce the uh, batteries and, and, and things to run things um, uh, electrically, electric cars and stuff, such like that. Um, and certainly we are needed um, to build a new, uh, to, to improve um, the machinery that we use on our laptops and, and everything else. It's quite possible that we will survive long enough that the machinery will be able to replicate itself. And I don't mean replicate the information that it's throwing about. I mean, actually replicate its own body so that there'll be self-replicating computers and self-replicating robots and all that kind of thing, in which case there'd come a point when we were no longer necessary. Now, you asked about 3,000. Well, I think it's possible that that might happen. Or I think it's more likely, but who knows, that we will still be needed at the point where this planet is uninhabitable by humans and we die out, and then that would be the end of it. But let's suppose it carries on. You talked about fidelity. I'm not sure why that was important in your question, but we should note that the increase in, that that fidelity is very interesting because um, genes are copied with incredibly high fidelity. There are lots of mistakes made, um, accidental um, combinations, um, mutations happen, or, uh, you know, there, there are mistakes, and then there are repairing systems that put right mistakes that are made, and yet some still get through. That's one source of variation which you need for copying with variation and, and selection. But I think a lot of people forget that the, in sexual, sexually reproducing species, at least, that's not the main um, source of variation. The main source of variation is recombination of genes. So you put them in a, in, in a different um, combination, you produce a, a different outcome. 
Then you get memes and the fidelity is incredibly low, absolutely at the opposite end. So when people, as far as we can tell, when people first started um, copying sounds between them, you know, between each other, then there was very low fidelity. Now, because we have words, so words evolved as a way of increasing the fidelity. If you go, uh, 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 or whatever, you know, they're difficult to copy exactly those things. Or you might go, and that would be quite hard for somebody else to copy. But you start to make actual words and you and you start to get um, reference and you can point at something and go, um, and we've, that's been done with, with computers as well, with robots, I mean. That's been done seeing how reference can emerge to, to sound. And so then the, the fidelity increases because you have discrete words and you can combine them in infinite number of ways. And so then you go on, on from there. So if fidelity increased, 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 increased in memes because of language and so on, but then it's a sudden leap when you get to um, digital um, replication of information because that really is hundred as close to a hundred percent as you can imagine. So then the question becomes what's the source of variation when you've got hundred percent accuracy? Um and we at the moment supply a lot of that variation. So going back to internet memes, um the, the fun thing about them is the the, the simple thing is there's, there's millions of out there and some get copied and passed on and others don't. But the fun thing of course and there's special technology that makes this very easy is that people can take a meme um, a, a visual meme or, or or an auditory or any kind of meme and they can change it a little bit and send it out again. And there's all these willing people out there in the world wanting to do the work of the of the of the memes um, by doing this and the, and the process runs on that. I think I've gone far away from your, oh no, you are, you are asking about 3,000 years. Um, I cannot see in my own mind as much as I've thought about it, what could happen as a fourth replicator. I've thought about that. And I, I suppose if you really push me and I push myself, the direction that I would go in is something like this. How does a self form the self is a representation in a head of a being that doesn't exist, that has consciousness and free will, that is in control and so on. And it forms by the information coming together and clustering around because it's it's to the the self is is constructed by picking on a lot of memes and memes can can help themselves thrive by being part of me. So if I want this and I like this and I'm going to do this and those memes, you know, are benefiting from this self and they all cluster around. Or in biology, you can see the transition from sing, single cell to multicellular organisms as, as, as a benefit, as, as they get the benefit by being together rather than separately. Or you can see this in, in, in great meme plexes like religions, all sorts of you know, awful, awful ideas and ridiculous, pointless activities and harmful traditions all thrive by being part of what God wants. So you, I'm, I'm just talking about the, the, the kind of inevitable mechanism that causes things to group together and have effects as a group. Now, if that's happening out there in the dream sphere, where there is all this information going around, that it will create kind of artificial selves out there, artificial entities that have the, the, the desire to replicate the information within them and even maybe themselves. Um, and then they would be forming a new kind of world in, in which they are interacting with each other and competing with each other to get more information, to get more control and power and what have you. And given that, you know, we would have made, already have made, you know, cameras and um, recording things, you know, that they can get all that information, they can affect us through the machinery we've made, they could be affecting us. Or if we're all dead and we did reach that stage, then that would all be going on out there and there'd probably be entities out there going, I wonder where this all came from. Are those funny little squishy beings with two legs? What? No, no. How could they have led to us? No, obviously not. God must have made us or whatever they'd be thinking. I don't know what they'd be thinking. Now, that is seriously wild uh, speculation. I don't give it to you as a serious idea for what I think is going to happen. I answer it in the spirit of, curiosity and perplexity when, um, you know, I'm a bit just really trying to push my own thoughts. That's the sort of direction they go. No, I love that. I think that there's, and I just, you know, backing off the stack there for a second, I think that one part of what you said, which I think is super good and super good to realize, is like when you, we imagine this long future, it's like, 
how long do we stay alive? And I know like some of the experts say that, you know, like that humanity itself has like a one in six chance of like surviving until the end of 2100, which is like very low, you know, very low. Um, and so things are getting more intense. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to survive ourselves, but we'll see. And I think one crucial part about that is that with this new third replicator, you know, AI or dreams or whatever, it's like its ability, as you said, like right now we have this weird kind of um, – uh, uh, like metering mechanism on the machines almost where it's like we generally like they don't get access to energy as they want like we are almost to some extent ones that can kind of like um, say no way you like you can't just like self-replicate like there, there aren't that many self-replicating robots that exist today that are just like paper clipping and like creating more and more of themselves and so it's like information is doing a really good thing but it's really cheap from an energy perspective to to share these bits and these streams and then once those things get better and better at like actively getting into the energy infrastructure um that i think is like a worrying future when they can just self-replicate without caring about us um so just want to like double plus good on that um and i think that you're right that like all right. The other thing I want to say from what you said, there's a hilarious thing of like, you know, we, we have these digital, um, you know, uh, internet memes or dreams that are copying and it's like, oh, but it's perfect fidelity. Well, luckily there's all these willing internet, willing people who are doing the remixing process. So it's like, they've kind of inserted us as the weird, like kind of sexual reproduction or, you know, um, side of them, which I think is a funny thing. And I think what you're saying about the, like, you know, the, the deep future is roughly, I mean, a lot of what you're saying, I think, is, like, directionally correct, which is, like, these replicators, um, they essentially determine the eons of life. And so we had genes as the primary replicator for 4 billion years, and then we've had memes as the primary replicator for 200,000 years. And now we're going to have these trees or these bits as the main replicator. Um, and, yeah, what they're going to do is uh, increase their information substrate and make it better and get more access to energy and um, will become these kind of self-replicating things that will, like, um, go into the galactic civilization, you know, and 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 be able to copy themselves with with energy and, and go forth. So I think that's all kind of. Uh, I think it's all weird, but I think it's all directionally correct. Um, so as we wrap up here, we're at the, we're at the end of time. Um, I guess I want to ask. Well, maybe maybe I want to ask. Um, hmm, there's a lot of different ways I could go here. Well, uh, yeah. Let's let 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 me ask this. The first is that like you know, for what advice would you give to like young people who are looking to explore memes like how how should you how should they like go deeper in this world or what kind of questions do you have or what what advice would you have for young folks interestingly i think i would um give the same advice as i would in my days in parapsychology when i was investigating esp and telepathy and you know all these kinds of ghosts and what have you um don't do it unless you really, 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 really want to. You know, memetics now is a fringe field. Uh, you won't find it easy to get grants or labs or anything. You know, it's really, really hard. But if we're going back to curiosity and perplexity, if you really are driven to understand this, go for it. But it's not going to be easy. So really, my sensible advice would be, hmm, as a professor, you know, don't do it. Well, I was given that advice about parapsychology a long time ago by a man I greatly respected who was a professor of parapsychology, and he said, don't do it. And I did it anyway. And of course, I'm really glad I did it, even though after less than 10 years, I had become convinced that there were no paranormal phenomena and the thing was a dead end. What a learning experience that was. And I learned one of the biggest lessons any scientist has to learn is how to see when you're wrong and change your mind and move on. I think if young people who know a load of stuff I don't know all about about the technology and the way it works and all sorts of other things, um, academia is so exciting at the moment, there's so many ideas, I think there'll be some, some who will do that despite my warnings than anyone else's warnings, um, and amazing things will happen. But I, I, I can't give any, any clearer advice than that caution. No, I love that. It's like, hey, watch out. This is a rabbit hole that you could go down. And it's like not necessarily um, in any specific, you know, like feel like any like as well-defined field. So it's like, you know, kind of be be wary as, as you go down there. So I think that's good kind of life advice for like, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like thinking about it's like my mm -hmm. mom would be like, hey, Reese, like how are you going to make money? You know, like don't forget to make money. You know, so I think I think that's always good life advice. Well, Susan, thank you for the the conversation today. Well, I think it's it's fascinating to hear yeah where you're at with all these things and, and thank you so much again what were you going to say yeah 
I was just going to say, if you're driven by money, definitely don't do it. I never have been. I've been lucky enough to be able to survive sometimes slightly tenuously, but um, that's never been, been, you know, what I was after. Um, but I, I would just like to tell you one, one little story, which is a little bit of hope. Some um, uh, researchers in, in um, Belgium did a study of the witch trials uh, they're historians primarily, I think. Um, and they asked the question, were the witch trials of um, uh, a benefit to the, 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 you know, the, the murderous, whatever they're called, you know, the, the Spanish Inquisition, the, the, the um, people who enforced all the horrible burning at the stake and all that? Was it to the advantage of the culture that they lived in? Was it to the advantage of the people who were burnt at the stake? Obviously not. You know, what was it to advantage? And they came up with the conclusion from this study that it was to the advantage of those memes themselves. Now, that popped out of historians. You know, somewhere these kinds of ideas are going to come out where people can show that selfish memes is the best way to explain what's happening. So in addition to what to that question I just asked was, it doesn't matter really what field you're working in, if you get obsessed by memes, that might just be the field where you can do something that will um, propel memetics forward. So i kind of being more optimistic, have a go, but don't expect to get rich. Don't want <laughs> That's to great, yeah. And if, you, and if you're excited by it, there's a <laughs> small crew of us. Yeah, exactly. And if you do get excited by us, there's at least you can at least hang out with Susan and I, you know, if nothing else, um, you can hang out with us. So again, Susan, thank you so much for your time today. Um, do you have any other like, um, so yeah, definitely check out Susan's book, The Meme Machine, also her other ones on like consciousness and stuff. She's also doing cool research on like copy bots these days, which are these like bots that kind of um, say weird words to each other, and like imitate each other. And then like uh, cultural evolution happens from that. Um, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners as like a, any place to find you on the internet webs or anything to, to check out? Well, my website has everything that I think is, I mean, I always put up everything <clears throat> that I write, I put it on, on, on my website, which is susanblackmore.uk. Um, and, um, my Ted lecture is obviously the starting point for the ideas that we've been talking about today. And there's a link on, on the website for that. So that, that's the place to go, I would say. Beautiful. Yeah. SusanBlackmore.uk. And um, thank you again, Susan, for your time today. And we will hope that we can, the memes within us will be able to shape the dreams to kind of be aligned with human values as we go forth. So thank you again, Susan. And goodbye, everybody. That would, that would be nice. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good luck with your Great. ideas on information that wants. <laughs>